Welcome back everybody to Getting Past the Premium. Today we have a couple of, well we have a guest and a guest host, surprise guest host. <laughs> yeah. Well we have part surprise. two in our series with Erica Moorhead from Collaborative Planning Group. Uh, we're going to talk a lot today on the individual side. We focused in uh, part one on the business owner side of what they do. And so we're going to focus a little bit on the individual side and the planning that goes along there. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast. Hi, well, welcome back for part two. Yeah, thanks. We somehow picked up a straggler. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was the mojitos. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We needed somebody to come in and make them right. I get that, it. It's <laughs> definitely accurate. Yep, yep. So now you've made two drinks for the podcast. That's right. So, that's true. Well, we have Andy with us at, on part two with Erica. Um, he is... A guest host now. Right. I've been a guest. Now I get to be a guest host. Oh, this is kind of fun. a few talents. That's, yeah, a few. That's good. All right. That's fair. <laughs> so we focused, Erica, right on part one about kind of the business owner side of what you do at Collaborative Planning. Uh, how do we look at a business owner situation through the three different lenses? And so uh, in this episode, we thought we would focus more on the individual side. So non-business owner and what goes into kind of that planning from a life insurance, disability, long-term care, because we didn't even talk about long-term care, no. right, on the first episode. So um, maybe just that 30,000-foot view again on what you guys do for um, the individual side, how, you know, depth of knowledge, where you guys get into, um, and just kind of what that looks like in your practice. Sure. So we do a lot of planning with individuals. Um, you know, it's great that they ideally have financial advisors that work with them to put together this financial plan that they're going to live long, healthy lives <laughs> into retirement. And then you bring us in and we try to poke holes in it and say, okay, well, what if you die too soon? What if you get disabled? What if you live too long? And now we need to talk about long-term care. And that's really the role that we play at Collaborative is making sure that clients understand you know, most likely they are going to live long, healthy lives. And hopefully that financial plan will keep them on track and get them to where they need to be. Uh, but making sure that everybody understands kind of eyes wide open while they're ideally alive and healthy and insurable <laughs> and in a position to do something about it if they don't like the result of what would that look like if one of you couldn't work? What would that look like if there was a premature death or a disability? Yeah, it's so it's interesting that, you know, obviously a lot of what's been talked about on this podcast is, is that the view of that holistic advisory model on how do we how do we get out of this product industry that we've all come to know and, and, and really get that advisory model. So what you just said is you started with we've, they've got a, a financial representative that's building these goals and these plans for them and they've got a, a future and they understand it and, and hopefully it, it achieves what it is they want to achieve. Your team comes in and says, all right. But what if yep. question is, how often do you get the individuals that like they haven't like that surprises them or they haven't thought about it or they're like, you know, everything was in order. And now we've come in and said, oh, <laughs> but it all of a sudden it's out of order because these things I hadn't thought of. Like, maybe walk us through how you see that when you're yeah. sitting down that first time <clears throat> yeah. with people. So when we're sitting down with clients, um, you know, we want them to understand and theoretically they already have a really good baseline of what they're making 
right now on a monthly basis or a weekly or an annual basis and what that spends like for them. But what people oftentimes don't understand is they might say, you know, very commonly an advisor will ask their client, do you have disability insurance? And they'll say yes. And away we go with the conversation. <laughs> yeah. I'm making any accusations oh, here, but wow. oftentimes that's where it lies. Yep. Where we come in and say, okay, great, glad you have it. We would like the 72-page benefit booklet from your employer because we want to know, is it 50%? Is it 60 six and two thirds percent of your earnings, would that benefit be taxable or non-taxable to you? Are you maybe making so much money that you're capped out on the group plan? Maybe it only pay you for 6,000 a month when 60% of your earnings is actually 10,000 a month. So we wanna dig into the fine print and make sure that clients understand now what life would actually spend like in the event of that disability and we're not going to get these benefit booklets because someone's just called and said, I just got diagnosed with cancer, I'm going through treatment, I'm not gonna be able to probably work starting next week, can you please help me figure out what my benefit's gonna be? It's too late at that point, we can't do anything but react. So we wanna help clients be able to be very proactive and say, huh, if we were disabled, we're living on a $6,000 a month budget right now, we really couldn't survive on a $3,000 a month budget. We need that number to be 4,500. Great, let us help you fix that. Mm -hmm. Same thing on the premature death side. You know, life insurance, there's so many different ways. I mean, a million calculators <laughs> if you wanna get on Google for how do we fine tune exactly the right amount of life insurance. So yes, we can go through a full needs-based calculation of do you want to pay for the first car? Do you want to pay for college? Are you going to pay off the mortgage or not pay off the mortgage? We can definitely walk through that analysis, but in its most simplest form, think about life insurance and a premature death like you would think about retirement. When you retire, ideally you've saved, you've amassed wealth, that its job is now to get up and go to work every day and earn dividends, growth, interest, whatever, right? Provide that income stream for you in retirement. Well, in the event of a premature death, we wanna make sure that there's enough tax-free life insurance coming in that can be added to the other, ideally non-qualified investments that the client has that can immediately go to work that next week and replace the paycheck that the family otherwise would have been receiving if that individual wouldn't have passed away. And so when we meet with clients and kind of help them understand, it is possible to have enough coverage, you know, to make sure that your plan kind of self-completes in the event of a premature death. Because the situations that we, that are really, really tough is when one, uh, one spouse passes away, there's kids involved, and now we're not only dealing with losing mom or losing dad, but there's not enough money. So we're talking about having to move, which means a new neighborhood. It oftentimes means a new school and new friends, right when this family's world has been completely turned life. upside down. Yes. And we so often will hear like comments about, well, it's okay, you know, we don't need much, much life insurance on the other spouse because Maybe they're not working. Okay, 
So we have four kids, and at the thick of it, when I was traveling a bunch for work, my husband was working at the hospital 50 hours a week, we had a full-time nanny, after-school care, a housekeeper, a lawn service, like the annual expenses we were paying to hire a stay-at-home mom was ridiculous. So even in those instances where maybe one person isn't going out of the home to work every day, the money that they're financially saving the family from not having to pay for those other services has to be taken into account in that consideration. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's oftentimes never thought of or underinsured or or under-evaluated. Well, I think that the answer to the question I think that was asked is, yeah, when you guys start to have those conversations, people realize really quick, like, wow, yeah. there are some things missing from this plan that we've built. Which So it takes me then to another question is, it seems like, because you mentioned something like, you know, with some of the disability and some of these things that maybe they're given or they get as part of employment or whatever, maybe it's something that somebody in our industry sold them at some point. I mean, it seems to me like a lot of those gaps or that, that where the, the issues can come from is what we talk about a lot in here is a, so much of that has been delivered in a product purchase yep. in a moment situation without peeling back the cover, the layer of the onion, whatever, and really figuring out what their situation is and what are you trying to achieve and what are the long-term goals and what do we need to do from a, a wealth protection standpoint or, or an income replacement or whatever. I mean, is that fair to say that that's like our industry creates as much as that pro- of that problem for the consumers as maybe even the consumers themselves do, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let me go back in time, like 13, 14 years ago, not trying to date myself here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I originally entered this industry, within the first six months, I had a real estate license that I came to the industry with. I got all my securities and investment licenses and my insurance licenses, and I was ready to go. Now, mind you, my first two years in college were spent as an electronics engineering major, so I was a recovering analytic entering the financial services space. So when the financial services industry tells you you need to go talk to all your friends and family members, I was sitting here saying, I don't know anything. Like, I'm really good at taking tests. I have a lot of factual knowledge, but I don't know how to apply it right now. So I very quickly realized that there was a lot of professionals in our industry they talked to everybody, their friends, their family, whoever they saw at the golf course or the country club, and they always had a solution. Mm. They were selling a solution without understanding even the situation. So I very quickly realized that if I started with financial planning software and helped these other producers build a plan, then I could go find an insurance product and structure mm-hmm. it to fill a gap or fill a need in the plan and then it all made sense. And uh, since I wasn't willing to, you know, call on my 400 <laughs> friends and family members, that's how I survived my first three years in this business was helping other people, other financial professionals uh, that didn't mind calling on their friends <laughs> and family members and just saying, hey, why don't you let me build them a plan and then we'll structure the product to like, I don't know, fill a gap in the plan. Yeah, that sounds- It was a novel idea. Yeah, it sounds a little familiar to maybe when, was it Dan House? I think he shared a similar, you get in the business and go call on all your friends and family and go give them this. The only people that know you don't know what you're talking (laughs) about. Yes. Yeah, that was funny. I remember I was was 
laughing as I was driving listening yeah. to that episode. Yes. Yeah, he hits he hits nail on the head with that. And you know the the flip side to that though that I that you mentioned the online calculators and all that for life insurance is we do live in the age of information, right? Yes. And so, you know, how do you kind of when you get the client that has maybe done their research or so they think they've gotten yeah. online maybe and done an online calculator and maybe it's good and maybe it's they, they came up with a number for life insurance that they need. But oftentimes what we find is, you know, people will come in and say, hey, I need half a million dollars of life yeah. insurance. Can you help me? Um, and I feel like that's a little bit of a dangerous trap to get in because you can certainly go and sell the product. But is it the right product? Right. Right. So how do you go about those conversations or that evaluation with those clients? Yeah, we call that order ticking. <laughs> yeah. So when the client has a drive-by and says, hey, I need $500,000 of life insurance, and you say, sure, let me write that up for you. Yeah. So our response would be to ask the question, how did you come up with that number? What is your annual income? And really, under we explain it as there's kind of two thought processes in our industry to how we think about life insurance. So we can do a pure needs-based analysis. I don't think by any point I've heard it all, but I've heard a <laughs> lot. I mean, I heard a gentleman with six kids saying, my plan is my wife is gonna remarry. Yeah. And I had to ask him if he had already found the suitor that was willing <laughs> to uh, fund and raise these six children because that was going to need to be actually negotiated ahead of time if we were going to forego any life insurance in that situation. <laughs> Some people want kind of pure basic needs met. And we don't feel that it's our job to... Um, get them to subscribe, if you will, to one philosophy or another. If all they want is to know the basic needs are met and they're okay, the fact that the kids might have to change schools and the fact that they've taken that same family vacation every year and knowing that you go from a dual Uber household to you no longer have this other human as the coach and the homework mentor and a tag team on the carpool. Like you are the sole provider of all of those human resources to the family. The only thing we can actually replace is the paycheck. Yeah. So at least, at least life spends the same. That family is gonna be at a severe disadvantage with all the human aspects that we can't replace. So we just, we take our kind of obligation to the family very seriously to make sure that they really understand, almost getting them to feel what the families that have been like, that been through this before have felt like, so they can make an informed decision. So at the time that that incident occurs, that premature death or that disability, it's not a shock. They know exactly the sacrifices they're going to have to make or the sacrifices they're not gonna to have to make. I'll use a, an example here. Um, you see a lot of uh, medical professional, high income professionals, you know, making maybe half a million or a million dollars a year. And all the time they show up, they have a million mm -hmm. or $2 million of life insurance, okay? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're making a million dollars a year, starting at age 40 for the next even 20 years, that is a significant impact to your family from the opportunities they're going to have to where they live and grow up, the schools they're going to attend, the vacations and experiences in life they're going to have. And so we'll ask those those people, you know, 
you went through all of this school, all of this hard work, you took on a bunch of debt, and that's gonna be a game changer to your family. Do you want to have any of that recognized if you were to pass away prematurely so they can still have that same, that same lifestyle? Or do you just want a million or $2 million of insurance because that's what you need to pay off you know, the student loans yeah, and the yeah. debt? And once they understand that they have that choice, then they can kind of let us know, okay, I don't need the full million of income produced maybe, but I'd like $600,000 a year. So that allows us then to go back to the financial advisor and say, hey, with what they have right now, if they died tomorrow, and that family needs to know that $600,000 a year of taxable income is coming in, how much tax-free life insurance do you need us to make sure is gonna pour into this financial plan because it's you they're coming to to get that paycheck from, it's yeah, not me. Yeah. <laughs> so we're there to help you <laughs> so guys true. have the funds that you need to make sure that the client's expectations for lifestyle, continuation, what they're going to be able to do for their family if that event occurs can actually happen. I feel like Go ahead. Well, in talking to you over a couple episodes here, you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong in this, but it seems like you try to put people in the situation a lot, right? So situational type questions of, you know, rather than just say how much life insurance you need, a needs-based analysis, it's saying if this happens, what happens here? Is that yeah. fair to say? It is. And I'm actually going to totally switch gears on you to long-term <laughs> care for a minute yeah. because I think this is a really great example. If you just asked somebody in their 40s or 50s who's very rational of sound mind, you have a, say, a significant balance sheet. You can totally afford to pay for your own care. Do you want long-term care insurance or do you want to self-fund? What are they going to tell you? Self-fund. Self-fund. I don't want insurance. I don't need insurance. Now, go talk to a 85-year-old who is not of a 40 or 50 year old mindset who is super wealthy and at the point where their spouse is being um, very taxed because of the amount of care they're providing and ask them, is it okay if I start spending $300 a day to pay this nice lady to come in and help? What are they gonna tell you? No. Over my dead body. Yeah. <laughs> But if you told that same 85-year-old, hey, remember that insurance policy you took out? If you let this nice lady come in and start helping, we can turn that contract on and we're going to have some tax-free money coming in to kind of help out with this. You know, it's interesting you talk about, Elliot was saying, you know, you tell the story, you put people in the situation, you bring the human element to it, which is totally the opposite of what I think we see a lot of times in the industry, yeah. which is the product-driven approach. Long-term care is a prime example because, well, all these are, because the reality is, unfortunately, somebody other than the person that's purchasing the policies or making the decisions is actually dealing with yep. the consequences of the decisions. It's a great Exactly. Long-term care isn't Long -term, for you. No. It's I mean, for the people that love you and exactly. care about you and you are going to take care of I mean, you when you about, can't. Yeah, think about that. Yeah. The 85-year-old person that may not be of sound mind anymore. And their children 
are trying to make decisions on their behalf, and now they're in a self-funding situation, and they're trying to make decisions around what kind of care can we afford to, or are we willing to pay for mom and dad to get? Like, that's a tough place for people to be. Especially when mom and dad don't actually want the care. Because they're so afraid of losing their independence, which none of us want. So in that scenario, talk about kind of putting the client in that situation, we will sit down with a husband and wife and actually walk through what they've seen with their parents, what they've seen with their grandparents. We get her to understand that he is going to be his dad. (laughs) So when she's like, oh my gosh, his dad has been so difficult to deal with. No, he won't let anybody help him. He won't let anybody spend any money. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's who you're dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> Little secret. Like, let's fast forward here. Make you 85. It's a fascinating thing to think about, though, because, like, in a lot of risk management decisions, people can choose to make their own decision about how much risk they want to retain on their own, right? And it's going to impact them. Now, it can impact others, but they have a direct impact. But the discussion we're having right now, and so for advisors listening to this, yeah. like that product sale without bringing the human element into it, that is impacting so many people in such an emotional way and in such an important part of their lives that like, if nothing else as an industry, we need to understand that and take the approach that there's people, we have to protect those people from the decisions that our industry, unfortunately, is leaving them with if not made right. Yeah. That's a... We we had an example where we were working with a two very, very technical clients, like an actuary and an engineer, a planner, whatever. There's a lot of school there. And they had it all figured out, like down to the penny. We need $275,000 on one of them and $543,000 of life insurance on the other one. So we started asking questions like, he made $125,000 a year, she made $150,000 a year. And I'm like, the math in my brain. I'm like, okay, just like, do me a favor. Can we set like the software just aside? (laughs) Just explain to me in very practical terms how if you died tomorrow, what's going to happen? Like, could you forego 50% of the monthly income right now with your house and your kids and everything? And he's like, absolutely not. I'm like, okay, what on earth is $275,000 going to do to this situation? So again, we just walk them through the process. We help them understand how, because life insurance sounds like big numbers, right? $275,000 sounds like a big number. A million dollars coming in? I mean, that's like lottery, right? But when you actually look at how much you earn on an annual basis and what that looks like over your career, all of a sudden that kind of starts shifting the perspective. So by the end of the conversation, I mean, we were talking about a couple million dollars of term coverage on each of them because they agreed they would want to stay in the same house and save, have the same opportunities. But there's just a there's a linear component oftentimes to software that um, doesn't always take the rest of this stuff into consideration. Well, some of those that you've seen are very, very basic. I mean, it could be a certain percentage of income. Doesn't matter whether you're what industry you're in doesn't matter your occupation. It just says, oh, you should have about X percent of your income. In. Ten times earnings. Yeah, or, that's yeah, the, that's back to the number yeah, I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's usually the one that you hear is ten times earnings. is Which know, is better than nothing. That. Absolutely. There's just more factors in it. You know, there's – that's what I would say a product-based salesperson would take something like that and say, 
hey, you should probably have 10 times your earnings. Here's a $2 million term policy or whatever. Um, versus somebody that's going to be the advisor, ask the questions, dig in and determine, is that the right, well, is it the right product? You know, because we, we haven't even gotten into right. product selection at this point. We need like episode three. Yeah, we're just like a whole rabbit hole we can go down. Um, but I mean, that's a huge piece of it, right? Making right. sure that we're going to select the right product or products that are going to uh, make sense in your life and your family's life and whatever you're going to do. Because that could be a combination, right? Right, right. And so I think that's what's the important part is um, there's a lot of information out there and our clients are accessing that information. And so we need to, though, understand what information have they accessed and is that the right way to look at it? And it could be, to your point, it's not our job to necessarily sell the client on a certain way of thinking. Right. But it's our job to make sure that they at least understand the the way they're looking at it and how it's going to impact them. Would you agree with that? Is that kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. And it's understanding what their expectation is going to be and who they're expecting is obligated to fulfill their expectation. So in a product salesperson capacity, they might sell a product, but that's not the person that they're going to come to and say, hey, I'm disabled. My wife just passed away. Help me figure out how I'm going to stay in my house and still have this monthly income. When you take on that advisor role, coming up with the right amount of insurance and making sure that expectations are set properly becomes so important because the advisor is the person yeah. that they're going to come back to and say, okay, that just happened. We talked about it. You recommended this. Tell me I'm, tell me I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> tell yeah. me Am I'm staying okay? in my house. Tell me my kids are staying in their school. Tell me I'm still going on my vacation. Tell me it's going to be okay. It's an interesting perspective to have as an advisor. Like put yourself in that situation and say, am I going to be comfortable when they call, start calling me and saying, hey, am I okay because this just happened? And as you know? the advisor, that's how you'll know that the recommendation was yeah. adequate. I mean, that's just it. And Elliot, something you said just a minute ago, I mean, they're not easy conversations to have. They're hard. The advisor in a consultative capacity has to ask tough questions, yeah. uncomfortable questions, strike up challenging conversations. It's a lot easier to go out and sling the product because they said, I think I need this, and I plugged it into a calculator. It's a lot harder to ask those hard questions and ultimately get to the results that somebody needs. But, I mean, that's what we owe our industry, frankly. Yeah, totally. We're not doing our job. We're in the risk management industry as a whole, right? Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that's awesome. I think that that you know, gives a lot of folks out there listening a lot of things to think about. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. That's, that means it's a good episode. Right? Good. I agree. So um, we will have more to come. Hopefully our actual host will be back next time. It'll certainly elevate the game. But um, no, it was fun. Thanks for coming in, giving us a lot of your time. And uh, I hope everybody out there took a lot out of it. I know they did. So uh, we will see everybody next week on the next episode. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. Absolutely. It was fun.